Hello, I'm Nolan Tuck. Stacy Glover. And you're listening to Cinema Parlor. Stacy, what's new, man? Oh, not much. Um, I am having me some Stillhouse, America's Finest, Spiced Cherry Whiskey. Got that in my soda? It, it tastes like a cherry Coke. It's got uh, flavors of uh, danger. And this is a whiskey. It is. It's in a, uh, what looks like almost like a kerosene uh, type uh, yep. bottle here. Yeah. Kind of interesting looking. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is interesting. Um, I think it's pretty tasty, man. It tastes like cherry Coke. It is dangerous in that it doesn't taste like alcohol, so you get pretty torn on it. Listener, beware. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I am actually uh, not drinking tonight. Um, I'm sipping on a peppermint tea and a also a, an iced uh, tea in a separate cup. So uh, the reason for this tonight is I have blood work tomorrow and I have to wait 12 hours um, between, well, I'm fasting. That's what I'm trying to say. So, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry, everyone. No drink for me tonight. Yeah. But in, I will say I have lost close to 20 pounds this summer from a keto diet. So that's a good thing. Uh, that's great. You look great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it, it's been a uh, a struggle, but also good. Yeah. So I need to do the, get that cholesterol down. Yeah. So I've been working on that. So. Well, awesome. Yeah. Anyway. I hope everything goes good tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. So what have you been up to lately? Yeah, you know, a little this, a little that. Um, you know, uh, of course, been watching some uh, films. Uh, you know, uh, let's talk about a few things here. Um, so I have, let's, let's actually, let's talk about this first. Uh, we recently both watched, uh, the new Quentin Tarantino film. That, that's very true. Once we upon did. a time in Hollywood. Uh, so without spoiling anything, cause it's still, in, you know, very much in theaters. It just yeah. started last weekend. Uh, let's talk about some initial thoughts. How about that? I liked it a lot. I, I, I think it's one of his like lesser films on just first like inspection but i don't think that's a bad thing because i don't think he makes bad movies and it's better than just about everything else i've seen this year um i i think it's fantastic it's uh, uh it's a love song to uh you know old hollywood and uh man i i was very taken with the film i i really enjoyed it very nice uh yeah i loved this movie uh Probably I after first viewing I think it's his best film since Inglorious Bastards. Um, I can't wait to rewatch it because I I'm already like I'm already trying to make plans to go watch it again in theaters. Like I was I love this movie yeah. so much. So I'm I'm I think it's going to grow in my estimation uh, even more as as time goes by. Um, but I was very excited about this movie and um, I love QT anyway, man. So like you know. I, I think it's a movie that I will probably, it, it'll probably grow in my, you know, liking, you know, after multiple rewatches, I assume, um, a lot of his films do, mm-hmm. um, it, it just feels different than his other films. Uh, it's more deliberate in its pacing mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it, it just has a much different feel. It's not a bad feel. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And it, it, in a lot of ways, it's uh, it is restrained in, until something happens. But um, towards 
Yeah, um, in the movie, but... I will say it, it's uh, given me more to think about than some of his more recent films. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, we we've had conversations, in depth conversations, about the film, and I mean, while I say it's one of his lesser films, I mean, I speak with passion about it. I I greatly enjoyed it. So yeah, I... it, it is definitely one you should go see if you're a film lover. Yeah, it's yes, very much, and uh, I won't. Uh, I think. There might be a time here in the near future we might do a Quentin Tarantino episode, which could be a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Um, so that is a possibility. But um, I just wanted to talk about that for a sec, because, um, yeah, it, it's probably my... It won't come up today because it's uh, not eligible, but it probably is my favorite uh, film I've seen this year. So nice. Far. So, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it would be up there for me, too, um, in my tops. Um, so, uh, a couple things I'd like to, uh, talk about that, uh, we won't talk about later. Uh, I have, uh, watched, I, I re-watched a couple other of Tarantino's films recently. I re-watched Reservoir Dogs. I've re-watched Pulp Fiction's, Pulp Fiction, <laughs> um, both, uh, just fantastic. Uh, Pulp Fiction is a masterpiece and Reservoir Dogs is in the ballpark. Um, but I, I think they're both, uh, just very good. Um, a couple other things, uh, I've rewatched the Pirates of the Caribbean original trilogy kind of, uh, out of nowhere. I was like, I just want to watch some Gore Verbinski films. Mm-hmm. Um, the first two I think are very good, uh, with the second one being my favorite of the trilogy, um, which surprised me because I'd only seen, uh, each, well, I'd, I'd seen the first one multiple times, but right. the second and third one I'd only seen once and, and it was, I haven't seen them since theaters. Um, the third one is okay, but um, I wouldn't say it uh, comes close to the first two. I recall me. that film being super convoluted. Yeah, it's and it the, the third one is it's it's very strange because um, there is there's really not a lot of action. I mean, there's a set piece early in the film, and then you know the film is almost three hours long, and and really for the middle hour to an hour and a half. There's just a kind of a, a convoluted plot, but like people, you know, going back and forth about betrayals, um, betray, and making yeah, a lot deals, of, a lot of ins and outs there. Um, so it, it does kind of get bogged down in in that middle section, which hurt the film for me. And then the last, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, there's a big set piece, action set piece that's quite good. And then the ending is the very ending is is uh, quite ridiculous as well. Yeah. But um, but anyway. For me, the, the second one was my favorite. The first one's still awesome, but um, that was my that was my little rewatch of the three pirates films. Nice. And I, um, I I really enjoy Gore Verbinski as a filmmaker, and and man, he he does a lot of a lot of great things. Is Cure so, for Wellness, the last thing he did. Yes, that is correct. So yeah, um, yeah, which I know we differed a little bit. I greatly enjoyed that movie. <laughs> Listen, I just wish the movie was more like its last act. That's through the whole film. That's fair enough. Instead of a Shutter Island re- ripoff. Yeah. We can't agree on everything. Yeah, that's that's true. What have you been watching? Ah, oh, man. So everything I've been watching has been in preparation for this. So most of the stuff I watched is from this year. So I don't want to talk too much about it because, you know, either it was middling bullshit or... Stuff you're going to talk about. Yeah, stuff I'm going to talk about. Okay. Um, I did beat Devil May Cry 5. Um, been working on that for a lot of the summer. That's a really cool game. I know I've spoke about it before, but, uh, it's got a very nice, like satisfying mix of 
you know, the gameplay is wonderful, mm-hmm. and the story is just like anime bullshit, but it's really fun if you're into that. Uh, just nonsense. Uh, I, I liked it. It's very stylish. I like those uh, single-player character action games. I think that's how they uh, classify those, where you're doing, like, stylish mm-hmm. stuff, and it grades you on how stylish you are. Uh, the gameplay is phenomenal. It, it plays great, you know, and I know those games kind of... Uh, are coming back into the, like the, you know, spotlight with uh, it seems the Bayonetta mm-hmm. series is very popular amongst critics, um, and then of course this game, uh, and yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I also I've been playing a lot of Bloodstain Ritual of the Night. That game is very good. It uh, it's from uh, the guy who did Symphony of the Night and all those DS Castlevanias, and it feels like Castlevania. Yeah, I can actually comment on something for once on video games. Yeah. I've been I've been playing that game a little bit as well, and it is fantastic. Yeah, it, it is wonderful, man. Uh, it if you like Castlevania, like Symphony of the Night, especially like the Metroidvania style, uh, you know where you're exploring the castle and locking new rooms, getting powers and stuff. Uh, this game definitely itches that scratch. Uh, and I know a ton of games have come out that are like that since those initial run of games. A uh, ton of indie games and such, but there's something about this game that feels different than the indie games. You know, it, it really does have that, like, Castlevania feel. The bosses are, you know, bigger than life. Uh, the music's amazing. I think they bring back the same composer uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, those games. And, you know, the art, it's very Japanese. I I just really dig it. It's uh, definitely up my alley. Yeah, no, it's it's a fun game. That's yeah. For sure. Gothic as hell. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of anime bullshit in that one, too. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good game. Anything else you got before we get into it? Uh, I think that about does it. Like you, I've watched a lot of new stuff as well. So, you know. Um, you uh, Let's you, get into our topic. Well, before that, yeah. you, you had a guest spot on a YouTube thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that for a second. Um, so... Uh, I've had I have a friend named Nathan Jones, and uh, he does a YouTube page. You can find his YouTube page at uh, Nathan Jones N A T H A N, and then Jones. And uh, we did uh, under his videos called the Criterion Closet Picks, and uh, he does uh, little videos every so often. Uh, uh, he is a big, uh, just uh, a Blu-ray collector like us, and. Uh, we went to his uh, house and had a nice little video where we picked each picked uh, three uh, Criterion uh, theme or and they they were Criterion Blu-rays around one certain theme. This was Japanese cinema. Cool. And so uh, yeah, uh, I hope you guys go and watch that. Uh, if, if I think uh, it's a good time. And speaking of Nathan, I think uh, here in the coming weeks uh, he's we're gonna have him as our first guest on the podcast. If uh, our schedules can align. Oh yeah, man. So, um, you sound like a smart guy on there, right? I you mean, didn't embarrass the podcast, did you? I always embarrass the podcast God, and myself. Damn it! I am. I'm weak in the head. What can I say? I I've got I haven't watched it yet, but I have faith that Nolan came off as a smart guy. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, <laughs> uh, a shout out, thank you to Nathan for inviting me on. It was a lot of fun, and um, hopefully, we're gonna do the same and and uh, get him on a guest on here. So, hell yeah. It should be a lot of fun. 
So uh, on that note, uh, are you ready to get into today's topic? Yes, sir. What is today's topic? All right. So we are doing a best of 2019 so far episode. Mm -hmm. So we're recording this a, a little late, but not too bad. So As we tend to do for best of That's list. what we do. So this uh, we'll do. We'll, we'll play by the rules here as far as this is going to be from January through June of 2019. And these will be our top five picks of the year so far. Okay. And, uh, of course, I'm sure I will have some sort of cheat in there like I always do. You, you do tend to cheat. And, um, uh, you give me a number, and then you don't follow the number that you gave me. Mm -hmm. that's, that's how I roll here. So, um, yeah, uh, just in general, thoughts on the year so far. For me? Yes. Um... <laughs> Most of the things I've been excited about this year have been underwhelming, uh, which has been a little disappointing. Uh, needless to say, my my most excited like Hollywood film for this year was Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters. That film was not great. You know, there's been some surprises here and there, and there's been some films that I've been high on. You know, we'll talk about those. But overall, I, I feel like the year, at least as far as Hollywood goes, has been a little disappointing. Now, I'm sure if you're a Disney executive, uh, the year's been great for you. Sure. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, I mean, that's that's really all I got. Uh, you watch more international films than I do. You catch them at sure. our art house theater. I don't really go out as much. Sure. Um, so, I, mo a lot of the smaller films, I wait till they're available to stream or, like, rent online. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a few that I've just missed out on. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with you, too, on the Hollywood side. Um, there has I feel like it has not been a great year for Hollywood so far. There have been some movies I've enjoyed, but I think it's it hasn't been a, a standout year thus far. Yeah. Um, I have seen a lot of indie and, and uh, international films that I've quite enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So as you will see probably on my list. Um, so I think there is a lot of good out there. It's just um, some stuff you have to search for. I'll put it that way. Listen, Booksmart was not in theaters that long. I didn't that's get a true. chance. Um, yeah, that that's true. A lot of and a lot of the a lot of movies that I have enjoyed or that I wanted to see were not in theaters very long. So. Yeah, that that's kind of how it is. Um, I did make sure to go see The Shadow. I drug you to that movie. Heck yeah, or man. you know, vice versa, whatever. But yeah. I was like, I got to make sure that, you know, I see that film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which won't make my list, but it, it was a very good movie. Okay. Uh, one thing I want to do before we start the list as well, I've, I've got a little shame list. A so, shame? Yes, shame. You're shaming things? I'm shaming myself. This is a positive show. No, I'm shaming myself. Wait. <laughs> okay. Is this like shame you didn't see it? Yes. Okay. Hey, what if it's not available to you? I'm well, not shaming myself. This is why I'm shaming myself. I have access to every one of these I'm going to list. Okay. I didn't make the time. Okay, okay. I will before the year ends. Give me your shame list. All right. So on my shame list here, I have Climax. Oh, yeah, shame. It, it's in your bedroom. It is in my... Oh, You've had it for months. One, two, three, four of these five films are in my bedroom. You yes. guy. I'm sorry. All of these films are in my bedroom because one of them is on Netflix, so... They're, okay. They're all well, in my Climax bedroom. is phenomenal um, as far as like form and technique go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's one we'll talk about later in the year. I, I will say it would be nice. like an honorable list movie for okay. me. Um, and I, if you want to say, I do have some honorable mentions 
at the end of the show. We can get into that. Okay. I, I kind of want to see how you break the rules, and yeah, then right. I'll uh, adapt to that. Okay. I've only I've really only got one rule break this year. Oh, so, okay. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay, so uh, that, uh, also the image bo- book by Jean-Luc Godard. Climax was by Gaspar Noe, Gaspar Noe, however you want to say his name. Uh-huh. Uh, the House That Jack Built uh, by Lars von Trier, which is controversial because some say it came out last year. I thought it came out last year. It was on my Amazon channel for last year. This year, I'm saying it came out because that's when it actually played at the, I think the Mox, I don't know when it got it. It either got it in December or early this year. Either way, I'm going to count it for that's this a, year. I'm going to say that's a question mark. Maybe not shame on you. Right. And then lastly, uh, the Bob Dylan uh, documentary. No, um, shame. Yes. So, uh, and what's the full name of that title? Uh, Rolling Thunder Rolling Review, Thunder Review a Bob you. Dylan story and, by Martin Scorsese. Yes, Martin Scorsese, one of my favorite filmmakers. So I will get to that, all of those at some point in the year. Yeah. With that being said, are you ready to do this thing? I am. All right. Well, you want me to start off? Yeah, you start off. All right, let's do this. All right, so for my number five of 2019 thus far mm-hmm. uh, I've got Amazing Grace and this is a film that I talked about I think uh, earlier in the year. Yeah you talked in detail man you had passion yes. behind those words. So you know some of these things if you want to hear uh, a, pa- a big passion from me go back and listen to that which I hope you already have but you should and what I'm going to say about it right now is this was a documentary directed by Sidney Pollock and Alan Elliott. This was a film that actually was made, uh, what, about three or four decades ago? Yeah. At this point, um, this is a concert uh, documentary, and this is a film that moved me uh, to a great amount. Um, this is uh, Aretha Franklin ended up uh, making an album of these recordings. I think it took place in two nights in a very intimate church setting um, in, uh, I believe it was in California. I uh, can't remember the name of the place, but um, anyway, uh, from Letterboxd here, uh, this is a behind-the-scenes documentary about the recording of Aretha Franklin's best-selling album, Amazing Grace, finally sees the light of day more than four decades after the original uh, footage was shot. So anyway, uh this is a movie that, again, as we talked about a little bit ago, didn't get much of a run. I think it played at our local art house cinema for maybe a week or two. Um, I was lucky enough where I went and caught it. And it's it, it's unlike anything I've experienced in the theater in quite some time. Um, it's a, whether you are a religious person or not, um, you feel some sort of presence. And it, it's an, a type of a religious experience. Um, even if you're someone who's not religious, I think you have that experience watching this uh, film. So I can't recommend it highly enough. Nice. I, You know, when you spoke about it on the podcast uh, however many months ago, um, just your passion selling... Like, it's a film I'd probably check out sometime anyways, but your passion behind, you know, your experience at the movies... Like, that sold me. Like, I want to see it. I think it comes out on video uh, sometime in September. So Very nice. I will definitely track it down. Yeah, um, I hope you do. Um, it's it's a movie that I, I wish... Something that I wish more people would see. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I think it's a very important documentary. And not just um, that way, but, you know, you know me. I, I don't get moved that often. Right. Um, as far as emotions go when I you're, watch movies. You're, so. you're like the Grinch with the little heart. Yes, exactly. 
and this this grew that heart three times bigger than its normal size. So. And you saved Christmas. Exactly. And that is our uh, Christmas special yeah, coming up. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> so yeah. Any, anything yeah. else on your number five? Number five. Uh, just just go watch it. Okay. If, if you get well, a chance, I don't want to like. See it. I I I didn't like uh, impede your what you were gonna say by saying that you talked about it earlier. No, right? I was just... no. I and that's the thing is like you know I did talk about it at great length and I I hope you go back and listen to that because it, I wish I remember you know, which episode that was on so we could reference it. That's something it. we should have done probably. Yeah, it probably is. But that's all right. You know, we're not Stanley. We can't put the comic book issues. You know. Yeah. For things we reference, you that's gonna go over your head. You don't read comic books. I don't. I have nothing, no, no association. Yeah. We were talking about. I do know this name Stan Lee. So yeah, he's no longer with us. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, that's my number five, Amazing Grace. All right, man. So my number five is a movie we actually watched together, a Relaxer by Joel nice. Portricus. Portricus. Patroikus. Patroikus. Um, I really like this movie, man. Um. Yes. I. It, it's kind of a nice, and I don't know if you want to read a synopsis. I didn't write any of that stuff down. But it, it's kind of a nice blend of um, like irreverent '90s like comedy with body horror. Um, mm-hmm. Now it stays funny throughout the film, and it, it's such a quick watch. And I think the movie's only an hour and a half, and it's all in one room. And a lot of the times, like the shots are stationary, mm-hmm. um, but there's so much detail in the set design and. Uh, Dude, uh, the guy who played our lead, Abby. Uh, Joshua Burge. Yeah, Joshua Burge. And I think he's phenomenal. He kind of looks like a mix between a couple of our friends and uh, Daniel Bryan. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you watch, you know, WWE. Uh, but, man, he's got a great presence and a great sense of humor and good, like, timing. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's also got, uh, he has, like, an older brother and it. It's played by the creep that's in uh, Dark Knight. Um you know, that Harvey yes, Dent interrogates. Uh, He's got a very unique face. He's a character actor in a bunch of... I'm going to say his name, and I'm probably going to butcher his last name. Okay. So I apologize. David Destmalchian. Okay, Destmalchian. D-A-S-T. Dast, Dastmalchian? I no, don't know. I'm going with it. That's his name now. Okay. Yeah, man. The I thought, man. I thought the screenwriting for this was so sharp, uh, and it, it's a great premise. Uh, so mm-hmm. basically... It, it takes us back in time to a Y2K that never happened, but was kind of threatened. Uh, this like tech uh, apocalypse. And it's on the verge of that. And Abby has six months to defeat uh, level 256 in Pac-Man, which, uh, you know, the guy who set the like record for that. Uh, it's the guy from uh, King of Kong. I, I forget the dude's name, but he's, a re- right. he's supposedly a real life asshole. He, he's got to beat that record and come to find out like the levels of glitch and all that stuff. It, it's just all these like weird people coming into his apartment and just having like these, it, it could almost be a play the way it's set oh, up. Oh, sure, for sure. Uh, it takes place basically in just that apartment. Yeah, and, it, and it's very dialogue heavy, mm-hmm. but man, I thought the film was fantastic. What what were your thoughts? Yeah, or is this something that we're going to talk about again in a second? We're not talking about it again. Okay. I just missed my top five. I really like this movie. Real quick, you asked for the letterbox synopsis. Here's here, This is like the smallest summary ever. Uh-huh. Y2K is approaching fast, but Abby can't get off the couch until he beats an unbeatable level on Pac-Man. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I loved this uh, movie quite a bit. Um, I, <laughs> I wrote a little uh, one uh, sentence review. 
uh-huh. apocalyptic hellfire through the means of surviving one's personal ineptitude. This movie really uh, made me think a little bit uh, about our kind of situation politically nowadays. Um, it, like, it, it made me think about just like the unmotivation of kind of how we're living throughout society. Uh, like, this guy kind of is, he's just a, he's, he's in his early 20s, he's young, but like he has no motivation whatsoever. So, like, you know, I think it's telling us, you know, in a way, like, just sitting and doing nothing may not help, but it is a way of life. You say that, but spoilers, big spoiler tag, if you don't want to know anything about this movie, skip ahead 40, 50 seconds. Um, You've been warned. He survives the initial Y2K apocalypse. Oh, sure. Through his inactions. Yeah, he survives it. Yeah. So just like that's you know, something. And he gains scanner powers. Sure. Yeah. Which and is amazing. Any movie is. that references scanners in Return of the Living Dead because their trash can is the toxic ooze can from one of that movie. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. There's a lot of fodder Indeed. for like dudes that are in their 30s and 40s in that movie. Like they're playing Nintendo 64, Tony right. Hawk. Yeah. Just a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you I think it's, like, for rent. I think it comes out on Blu-ray in a week or two, but you can rent it on Amazon, like, the video on demand, probably, like, five, six bucks. It's great. Check yeah, it out. I think it's a very good film, and like I said, I, I think there's a lot um, under the surface to the movie. I, I'm actually, one, I'm pumped to watch again and actually get into more of Patrice, uh, I can't even say his name, I just said it a bit ago, uh, his work. Patrickles. Yeah, exactly. Patroikis, that's it. Uh, but uh, he did a movie a few years back called Buzzard, which I would like to see. Also, uh, one called The Alchemist Cookbook. I believe basically all his films are available on Amazon Prime. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Good movie. Good choice. Thank you, sir. All right. Okay, so uh, my number four. Uh, this is a movie entitled Her Smell. This is uh, directed by... Uh, give me one second here. I did not get to see this movie. It... I could rent it on Amazon, but it was one of those movies I did not get to before the deadline, but I really wanted to see, and it's in my queue. Uh, Yes, and uh, I I wish you would have watched it. But uh, this is uh, directed by Alex Ross Perry. Um, I've seen a few of his films, um, including... uh, Oh, uh, give me another second here. Sorry, I'm a little off right now. Including Listen Up, Philip and The Color Wheel, um, which I would highly recommend Listen Up, Philip. I think it's a very good movie. Uh, but this, I think, is his best movie that I have seen thus far. Um, it's a, about a self-destructive punk rocker who struggles with sobriety while trying to recapture the creative inspiration that led her band to success. And so, uh, this movie, um, this is what I wrote. A hypnotic, energetic, drug-induced haze that is rocket-fueled through cocaine benders and spiritualized shaman wizards, a devouring of youth through a wish-fulfilled fountain that never runs dry. This is a movie I quite loved. Um, basically, um, our main character here, as uh, played by Elizabeth Moss, her name is Becky something. Um, she is a star rocker in this group. Yes. Question, mm-hmm. is her name actually Becky something? Yes. Or, okay. I'm not being... I thought you were just messing with me. I'm not being uh, a rough ruffian here. Becky something is her name in the okay, film. Okay, cool. Um, and she is the uh, lead singer and and lead, uh, not only singer, but voice and personality of this group. 
Um, and they kind of makes makes it seem like they were a big deal, probably like in the late 90s to early 2000s. And as their career goes on, she kind of goes off the deep end, gets addicted to drugs, uh, gets um, kind of just just living this lifestyle of just um, some crazy freaky stuff going on. And the, the film basically takes place maybe like five or six vignettes. And um, each kind of section of the film is edited to like um, a home video recording of times, different sections in their career. Like the first movie opens with um, this recording of like them just being signed. And then you get to another point where like they had just got their first gold record. And, and then throughout the couple more sections, a steep decline throughout how the band functions and how they, you know, how she has gone into addiction and, and things like that. Um, the first couple sections of this film is, is insane. Like Ross Perry uses these very claustrophobic spaces of like backstages before they go into the concert of just making you feel the anxiety and just the, um, problems, sorry, that this, the band is, is forced to look themselves in the mirror at having because of their lead singer's issues right now. And it's like, he has these crazy long shots inside like these backstage rooms where it's just like in your face and, it's very like just kind of unnerving a little bit, but like at the same time I was like drawn to it. And so these, <laughs> it's, it's pretty insane. And the film also does a very good job of using color to show you what it's doing at the first half of the movie is very much these reds and late later in the movie is very much like uh, this green neon uh, green and, and uh, teal greens um, to show her kind of, and it's kind of a basic rock story where someone has, uh, you know the highs, lows, and back, yeah. back coming back again, sort of thing. So uh, as far as form goes, it, it sounds like it's like uh, the Steve Jobs of punk rock. Hey, there you go. I have not seen that movie. Shame. It's another shame on me. But um, I'll take your. I know you haven't seen this one, but I'll I'll take your. I'll, I'll go with it. It's a film of vignettes through a career. Okay, very nice. So you know. I, I really, really fell for this movie a lot, and uh, Elizabeth Moss is insane, but in a good way in this movie. She gives a hell of a performance. She's a great actress. She is. So, anyway, highly recommended. Um, I rented this on Amazon, so you can rent this digitally uh, right now. Nice. Yes. What you got? Number four. John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum, directed by Chad Stileski. Yes. Um... So this is a film that I greatly enjoyed, but I felt like it wasn't as good as the last two entries. And I I feel like it is a phenomenal film as far as like showing John Wick wreaking havoc. But I feel like the film doesn't hold the greatness that the first act does. Does that make sense? Like it's not sustained. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is a... It is wonderful, and I, the reason it's so high on my list, you know, I mean, we only had five, but uh, I I imagine this is a film I'm going to watch a lot, as I have with the first two John Wicks already. Uh, I just love the series. As far as, like, action series go, if you give me a John Wick or a Mission Impossible every other year, I will be happy. Mm -hmm. Like, these movies are so good. And to say that, like... John Wick Chapter 3 isn't as good as 1 and 2. 
Like, it's still a damn fine good movie. And it is a movie that, like, Hollywood is not in the habit of making. Like, this movie is fantastic. The design is great. Uh, the set pieces are fantastic. Uh, it really opens the world up with the lore that it builds, uh, building on what was presented in number two. Um, I just thought that, man, that first act is so electric that I felt like the middle parts of the movie kind of lagged a bit, which I didn't get that feeling in one or two. Does that make sense? I think that's fair. Um, I, I enjoyed the movie myself quite a bit. Um, I had a blast watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are some... I, for me, like, I guess, for me, I was kind of... We may differ in this, which... Uh-huh. My, I think I was a little disappointed in, like, the last third of it. Um, I found it to be a little repetitive and, and didn't quite... Um, I liked kind of the action set pieces that the film was using early in the film. Not that the action gets bad at the end. No. I just found it to be um, not quite as thrilling. There's There's lore stuff in the mm -hmm. middle of the film that and i know that we're talking very vaguely because it's not out on video yet and you know maybe you haven't watched john wick 3 but um there's lore stuff that happens in the story from like the middle on that i wasn't like fully on board mm -hmm. with it, it's not that i disliked it it just seemed a little over the top compared to what was presented earlier sure um and kind of unnecessarily opaque now, I, I feel like the the end of the movie, like once you get back to the Continental, the film, you know, picks back up and all that stuff's really good. Uh, and again, like the first half hour of that movie is just dynamite. If if there was a way to sustain that like pace through the whole movie, it, it would be, you know, another masterpiece like the first two. Um, it's just it's not if slightly lesser than those films though um what did you think of the let's talk about the first half hour man mm -hmm. like the first half hour fulfills the promise that john wick 2 ends with right it's john wick versus the world right and it just starts right into that and there's so many creative action set pieces uh -huh. in this film and then it's just for whatever reason is stalls out in the second act for me okay. um but I, I really enjoyed the film. I can't get this across enough that, like, while the film was not as good as the first two and maybe a slight disappointment, I still really liked the film. Sure. Yeah, no. My uh, my favorite of the three is actually the second one. Yeah, I, I like the first one a lot. Yeah, mine's the uh, first one. Yeah. Um, I, I feel that the further that the films get away from the first one the less like character work is in the character. I, that I don't know, even know if that makes sense, but I feel like the series is starting to become more lore heavy and less John mm -hmm. wick heavy. Sure. Like he's still like the, the main focus of the films and they keep expanding this lore so much that you kind of lose why he's doing everything he was doing in the first place. Sure. Which, you know, I think the first film is just one of, you know, it's phenomenal. And the second film is like a work of art and staging. Mm -hmm, very much. That's why it is, you know, yeah, I think two is very much. Uh, Listen, you get a mirror big, room. One of the better action films we've gotten sometimes. Yeah, you get a mirror room set piece to end your film. Yeah, that's a good film. Unless you're Conan the Destroyer. Then you're just very average. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah, well. 
Dawn Wick 3, good, good film. Yeah, good film. Support Keanu. He's one of the coolest dudes yeah. around. Yeah, for sure, man. And we will be getting a fourth one, it seems. So, yeah. They're going to keep making them? Is I'll, that a, I'll keep watching them. Is that a spoiler? That's on the internet. Yeah, it's on the like, internet. Like, uh, that's like... Yeah. Common knowledge. That's right. Okay. All right, man. Well, are we up to your threes now? That's right. All right. So, my number three film is uh, a film by the name of Transit. This is directed by Christian Petzolt, and this is his follow-up to his uh, 2014 film called Phoenix. And this is the third in kind of a uh, trilogy of films uh, just, you know, connected by themes. The first being Barbara, the second one being Phoenix, and now Transit. Um, So uh, this movie uh, is, uh, I couldn't highly uh, recommend it enough. This is what I said after watching it. Escapism shapes into transfixiasm. I'm sorry, let me try that again. Escapism shapes into transfixation. Identity lost or finding identity that can replace years of desolation. Petzold makes another haunting and isolated film that centers around subjects lost in a circular pattern of mistrust and confinement. So this movie, uh, real quick, here's a letterboxed uh, look at it. An attempt to flee Nazi-occupied France George assumes the identity of a dead author, but soon finds himself stuck in Marseille, where he falls in love with Maria, a young woman searching for her missing husband. So this is a movie that technically is trying to take place during pre or like occupied France. Yeah. And so in a way, it is a period piece. At the same time, Petzl does a crazy thing where um, it's modern in the cars that are driven in the way people behave. So, Wait, okay. When does the movie take place? Again, it yes, in uh I would assume just after World War II or World War II area. But it's taking, occupied by Germany? Yes. Okay, so in the midst of World War II, yes. probably before like what, America gets in in the war? Yes. And but it is modernized. So there are are there cell phones? Like, we drive. I believe there are. If I remember right, it, there may not be, but I can't remember for sure. Is it presented but, as like an alternate history, or is it just like a style thing that you just have to accept? Accepting. Yeah. I mean, yes. And he does this for a purpose, but I, I think it's a good purpose. Um, basically, our the man we are following in this film, um, his name is, like I said, George. Uh, he is played by wonderfully. Uh, by uh, Franz Rogowitzki. Um, Maria, the girl, uh, the woman that uh, stars in the film with him, played by Paula Beer. And it's basically a film about a man caught in kind of basically some sort of middle. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Stuck in the middle with you? Yes, uh, between heaven and hell. Um, purgatory. Purgatory, thank you. And uh, as... As the film goes, uh, it's just him basically running around in circles the whole time and nothing leads to anything <laughs> uh, other than him. I mean, that's that's my take on the film. And uh, it's, man, I, Petzold is just a filmmaker that I just completely adore and I just click with. Um, yes. Is this a film I would like? I think you've never seen any of his films. No. Have you? So I, I, I wouldn't start with this one. I think you should probably watch Phoenix just to kind of get a feel for his style. You think I would dig it? I think you would, yes. Cool. Um, And I 
basically a lot of what I'm saying probably is making a lot of sense because it's a hard film to try to talk about, especially with someone who hasn't seen the movie. Yeah. And, but I would highly recommend watching this. I think it's uh, one of the uh, gems of this year that a lot of people haven't seen or discovered. Gotcha. So how did you see this film? I watched this here in our local cinema or our art house cinema here it again it only played i think for one weekend sure um, but uh you know petzold is a filmmaker i discovered a few years back and he's made more movies i've only seen three of his so i'd like to watch more of his films he's been making films for a little over a decade okay so, um but uh i can't recommend it highly enough so it's nice yes number three on my list and i did a bad job talking about it probably no i <laughs> i mean if it's something that you have to, like, if it's, you know, an opaque work that, like, just, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, sometimes the films just have to speak for themselves. Very much, very much. And, um, you know, maybe it'll be a time, if, if you watch it, maybe we can have a, uh, a discussion on it. It's really hard to discuss um, by having you not seeing the film, because I don't really want to... Spoil it? Exactly. I, I would like you to... Yeah. Um, I prefer yes. that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I feel you, man. Yeah. All right, what do you got, man? Uh, number three, Us by Jordan Peele. Very nice. Uh, this is his follow-up to Get Out. Again, I really like this movie, but I also found it a little disappointing. Uh, it doesn't reach the heights of Get Out, but I feel that uh, it is a very good movie. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, he does a lot of stuff in this film playing with imagery and uh, setting themes through images. And uh, it plays more like a Twilight Zone episode for me than it does. Like, there is criticisms of, you know, like, modern day politics and things like that. But it, it seems less immediate than Get Out does. Um, that film definitely has, you know, a very strong in your face message this film uh is more uh popcorny i guess is how i would describe it. it 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 very much is like a twilight zone episode agreed uh it, it's a lot of fun and um yeah i i just i really like the movie mostly the movie's so well directed it, mm. and honestly if jordan pill like, I don't think he needs to make a political statement movie every time he makes a movie. If he just wants to make, like, fun, weird genre films, if people are going to give him money to do that, I'm down for it. Oh, yeah. Because, like, this movie's cool. Yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. Um, What I'll say, and for those of you that don't understand this, I'm sorry, I'm just, this is how I feel. I think Get Out is a better movie. Uh-huh. But I think Us is better directed. If that makes sense to anybody, it's a better I, shot. I film. think he has, um, I think he has improved as a filmmaker, understanding um, the sequence of sh of shooting and his uh, camera. And yes, can I? Okay, so when you say that, you strictly mean like the craft. Mm -hmm. Yes, because I think that this movie is not as good at telling its story right. as I, Get Out I, this is. This has nothing to do and with... And since he does write right. the now, films... Now I'm talking just purely direction, not mm -hmm. script-wise or anything, just as far as uh, his direction goes on how he sets up his shots and his scenes, how they flow into each other. Just uh -huh. a directing basis only. 
But yes, I, I would agree. I think the script is stronger in Get Out as well. Like, yeah. I, I think it is a better movie. I just think this is a better directed film. Gotcha. Um, now, I do think that uh, was it Lupia Nyong'o? Yeah. Did you say her name? Yes. Uh, um, I'm a garbage person for not knowing. She's a wonderful actress. But I think her work in this film is so phenomenal. And even though like the script kind of fails her in the third act... Lupita Nyong'o is how you properly pronounce her name. Okay, I think that her acting is so good that like she should be remembered come awards time. And she plays a dual role in this film, by the way. Yes. She is very good in this movie. Yeah, I, I think the movie's really good. Honestly, it kept me like on the edge of my seat until the last 20 minutes. And I feel like it, it just it doesn't fulfill the promise of like how good the first bit of that movie is. It gets a little convoluted and a little silly and illogical, but it's not a bad thing. Like I said, it, it's more of a Twilight Zone. It's playing with a very loose, you know, fanciful um, logic here. Not everything makes sense. It's more of a, you know, what if this happened sort of storytelling. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, I know I, I'm, I'm saying word salad. I actually, I mean, the ending didn't fully work for me either. I, I think... Um... One too many monologues, I think. A little bit over-explaining at the end. Maybe. I agree, I um, agree. If you have to... If you need a scene where your your character is monologuing about, like, the final act of the film... Sure. Like, you probably didn't tell your story in the most concise way. Right. And going into that, I thought it was a different thing than what it was going to end up being. Like, I thought there was going to be a logic behind it and there really wasn't a sound logic there uh, it's one of those things like you just either accept on face value and are like taken by the twist or you know it or it's just a twilight zone fluff thing which i completely enjoy for what it is yeah i really like this movie like i said it, great pick um it's in my honorable mentions um it's very good movie i think it has one of my favorite set pieces of the whole year in this Ooh. film, um, that would be the uh, the invasion of the house of two certain characters. Heidecker? Played by Heidecker and, and Elizabeth Moss. Dude, Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss are so good in this movie. Yes, and that uh, that set piece, you'll know what I'm talking about. Dude, the film. and the actor that plays uh, the dad in this, he's also in Black Panther. That guy is Winston awesome. Duke, yes. Yeah, and he's I wish he was in more stuff. He's really cool. Yes. Uh, it. Any. Yeah. Everybody's really good in this movie. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that set piece is is one of my favorites of the year. So. Hollywood needs to keep giving Jordan Peele money because yep. he's just gonna make interesting things, even if it doesn't work all the way. It's still gonna be awesome. It's gonna look great, and it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Go Jordan Peele. Hell yeah. Very good. All right. Uh, so moving on. Uh, to our number twos now. So, for my number two, uh, I have the film The Souvenir. This is directed by Joanna Hogg. Uh, this is her fourth film, I believe, if I'm remembering that right. Um, this is a uh, British film. What I had to say about the movie, a wonder of a film that shows a complicated relationship through fragmented scenes by way of honor, Swinton Burns' perspective. Swinton Byrne and Tom Burke are mesmerizing as the couple that make up the film's core. And I was quite impressed by Hogg's direction, a must-see if you get a chance. Yes, 
few questions. First, did you watch this at the Moxie? Yes, this is another film I watched that they did not have for a very long period of time. Is this available for me to watch now? As I recall, isn't this like one of the highest regarded films of the year? It is. As far as like critical consensus yes, and bullshit? Right. Yeah. It's, uh... Because it's one I want to see. I just, I didn't see it as a thing available to I me. I don't believe it is available on digital yet. All right. So when it, I'll keep an eye out for that. I will let you know when it is. Nice. Uh, the breakdown real quick. This isn't a very long kind of... Paragraph here, the past never stays in focus. A shy but ambitious film student falls into an intense, emotionally fraught relationship with a charismatic but untrust untrustworthy older man. And so, yes, so like I said, uh, the main character, uh, we've got uh, Honor Swinton, Swinton Byrne, if I could talk right. Uh, this is the daughter of uh, Tilda Swinton, and she is one of my favorite performances of the year. Um as well as Tom Burke, um, he plays a character called Anthony in the film, and he is one of my favorite male performers of the year, and they're both just fantastic in this movie. Um, yes. Do you think that you would talk better if you were drinking alcohol? I do. I'm, I'm missing that, to be quite honest. Yeah. This How's tea is good. The peppermint tea was fantastic. Oh, good. The iced tea is good, but, you know, there's it'd be a lot better if there was bourbon in it. Yeah. Enjoy that sip. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Sucks so, but yeah, you love the performances in this. Yeah, film. it's a very good movie, and uh, Hogg is a director. She, I just kind of learned of her work more recently. Um, I've only seen two of her films now. Um, there's her other two are available for me. I think streaming right now, which I I will get to at some point. Um, I believe early in her her first movie was uh one of Tom Hiddleston's first performances in, in one of her early films. So, um, But uh, this movie in particular uh, is really just kind of a haunting portrait of a relationship um, that the highs and lows of relationship, I'll put it that way. Um, it's very melodramatic. Um, it's got a certain way about it that it's shot. Um, the lighting is very interesting. Uh, the Central perform. I mean, the movie surrounds these two characters and our central performance, and it's like, again, I don't want to say too much. You haven't seen the movie, and I want you to. Uh huh. <laughs> so, uh, but I all I can say is I I was taken by it. So I mean, and and I I guess I actually I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say because that could be a spoiler. Sell it to somebody who doesn't know anything about the movie that wants to go see the movie. What is the like? What is it about the film that you love the most? It's it's just the central relationship, man. Like so, it, they, it's they like are an both acting movie. It is an acting movie, but it also is. It's a very finely directed movie. I mean, the way shots are set up are very pleasurable for my eyes, and it's it's about two characters that have chemistry. Okay, in this film and. Like, I, I don't want to say where their relationship goes. Gotcha. But I just want to say it's they have chemistry in this film, and they both are type of characters I want to be around, and I want to know where the relationship is going. Okay. Um, and I, I, I just I don't want to say much more, because I feel like you should watch it. I want to see it. It is on my to-do list. And all of you out there should watch it. Excellent. Okay. 
Number two, The Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story by Martin Scorsese. So this movie is one of those that was intimidating to go into. It is about two and a half hours, music documentary. So I was thinking, man, I you know, I want to see this. I love Martin Scorsese. I've never seen one of his music documentaries. But it's like, man, when, when am I going to set the time aside to watch this, you know? Um, I'm glad I did. This movie blew me away. Uh, so the premise of the film, it's it's right after, you know, that Pat Garrett time period when Bob Dylan comes back and starts touring. Because he takes, what, like close to a 10-year leave um, before he does Pat Garrett. And then he comes back, does the divorce album or whatever. Or, yep. And I think this is before maybe before that album. Um, but it, it takes place during the uh, bicentennial, you know, during that time, America is in a weird spot. You know, we got Nixon, we got, you know, coming back from Vietnam, a lot of weird feelings, you know, crimes heavy, you know, in all these big cities and stuff. And the premise is that Bob Dylan is getting together all of these great artists and they're just going to travel around and play these little shows in like 3,000 seat venues. Uh, so it covers a ton of stuff. Uh, it covers all of like, it's just like this bohemian lifestyle going on where you're seeing these great, you know, people like, you know, Bob Dylan, Allen Ginsberg, uh, Joni Mitchell. Everybody's just traveling together. You're seeing these artists, you know, live amongst one another. It kind of reminded me of... Um, uh, what was the Orson Welles from last year? Other yeah, Side of the other Wind? Side of the Wind, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of that, but like the real life version of it. Um, So I found that interesting. It's got things to say about, you know, documentary like form, which is always interesting to me. That's something that Welles played with, mm -hmm. um, you know, in his later career, uh, you know, with like F for Fake. And I think that's interesting. There's this fascinating scene where you get a... Uh, this woman who has a conversation with Dylan that uh, somebody's completely fascinated with and they think it's a doctored thing for the video and they're just talking about like, well, no, it's natural. It's not a stage thing. And it's just kind of, it makes you think about, you know, when you do see, you know, documentaries and stuff, like how much is real, how much, and it, it did bring, you know, feelings for me of, you know, Wells later work where he was, you know, messing with, uh, you know, reality mm -hmm. and such and how we perceive, you know, documentary filmmaking. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. Uh, most of the film, it's, it's shot by this British guy. Uh, Scorsese takes his work, but he he does include him in the, um, the interviews. So uh, Scorsese takes all this footage and edits it together. And um, he does these modern day interviews, you know, giving context to what was going on then. So, I don't know. I just thought it was absolutely fascinating, man. Uh, the concert footage is phenomenal. It's very, like, up-close, personal, uh, very electric, awesome. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm just uh, just talking nonsense, but I was really taken with this film, more so than I thought I would be. Uh, it, it really... Uh, I like Bob Dylan, but I've always just listened to, like, a collection of his music, you know, that's been mm -hmm. curated for me. So it, it got me on, you know, a path of, like,
like, man, I would really want to check out his individual works and see how, like, those mesh. So I'm starting to listen to, like, full albums, mm-hmm. you know, by him. And, uh, man, it's, it's just a, such a good movie. I think you would really dig it. Yeah, I need to watch it. And, and it's on Netflix, so it, it's available to everybody that has a Netflix subscription. Uh, if you like music movies, it, and honestly, it's just as much an important, like, time capsule for, like, America during that time. You also get uh, all the stuff leading to the him writing The Hurricane, which is one of his hit songs. Mm-hmm. So you get all the Reuben Carter stuff in there. That stuff's absolutely fascinating. And it's just, it, it's very fun to just sit with these people for two and a half hours and listen to this music and to hear like the creative process of like all these artists coming together. Mm-hmm. Very good. I have no excuse because it's on Netflix. Yeah. But. I will watch it. I really want soon. you to watch it because I'd like to talk to you about it. It's probably one I might rewatch it again before the year's over. I I was that taken with the movie. Cool. Well, it sounds great. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Well, let's do our number ones. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. So I have my uh my uh, one cheat here. A cheat. <laughs> yep. This is my cheat. So I have a tie for my number ones of the year so far. Um, I've got uh, High Life, directed by Claire Denis, and I also have the short film Anima, 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 A-N-I-M-A. This is is the, it's a short film directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, um, basically uh, previewing the new Tom York album, if you will. Um, He, it's, you would call it a uh, commercial not you put a commercial. commercial as your number it one? It's not a commercial. It's a short film. Uh, <laughs> uh, but is a a work that uh, goes along with the album. However you want to call that. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't but, think commercials uh, are bad. But uh, No, commercials can be great. Uh, but uh, this is on Netflix, uh, and uh, it's available right now for you to watch if you want. Um, but I'll talk about that first. Um, I did hear they were going to put commercials on Netflix eventually. Hey, good. Bring them on. Uh, this, uh, this, this film is like nothing I've seen in quite some time. Which one? Uh, Enema. This, uh, stars Tom York and it's got, uh, his music from the new record off of it. And it is just a, like, crazy film that it takes place starting with him on a bus. And it's all about just spacing, rhythm, and movement. And this whole time, we... We hear probably four to five snippets of different songs from the new record on on this little film. Well, yeah, you can't give the full thing exactly, and because of commercial. Yeah, right. Um, one more comment like that, and I'm cutting your mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is uh, a little thing. What I had to say: bodies moving like the uncomfortable and awkward projectiles we all are. Beauty through anxiety, motioning precisely through the rhythm of a chaotic climate. Um, I think everyone needs to watch this because it is excellent. Paul Thomas Anderson is one of our greatest directors living. And, uh, I mean, it's visually stunning. Tom York stars in it. What else do you need? How long is it? Um, how many times have I told you? Did you say? I said 15 minutes, I think. Oh. Four times now? I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Obviously, because you think this is a commercial, first well, off. it is. So, you've got issues all the way around, bro. So, anyway... 
uh, check that out. So, uh, and to go along with that movie, my other uh, number one here is uh, High Life, directed by Claire Denis. And this is a science fiction film that uh, stars the great uh, Robert Pattinson and Juliette Binoche and Andre Benjamin, Mia Goth, uh, to name a few. And so this movie is about a lot of crazy stuff, um, including sex boxes. So, sex box? Yes. There's a different word for it, but, um, you know, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, Can I ask a question? Yep. Do you put your dick in the box? I mean, you can't. I mean... Is it gender specific? I mean, anybody can can use it. Like, I mean, how do you... Do you put your vajay in a box? It's 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 a box as in like a, you go in? a room you go in and there are sexual equipment in this room and you get off. Oh, so it's like it's just like a small sex dungeon. It's a dungeon for sure. Okay. That's in a spaceship in space. So when you said box, I was thinking a thing you could hold and put your dick in. I did I wasn't thinking a thing a room. Mm-hmm. So it's a room? It's it's a room of sorts, yes. You okay. haven't seen this movie either. No, I really wanted to, and I had the choice between watching it and, like, Under the Silver Lake, and maybe I chose wrongly according to your list, but... Well, either way, whatever. Oblivion <laughs> awaits. Monte and his baby daughter are the last survivors of a damned and dangerous mission to the outer reaches of the solar system. They must now rely on each other to survive as they hurtle towards the oblivion of a black hole. So this movie opens, we get Robert Pattinson, and he is, um, basically we learn to find out, this isn't spoiling anything, it's in the trailer, if you've watched it, if you haven't seen the trailer, then, you know, don't listen anymore, but he is a uh, prisoner of sorts, this takes place in the future, this uh, 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 film here, and uh, he is on a ship with other prisoners, and basically, they have been sent to find this black hole because uh, life as we know it on Earth is ending, and we need to find a way to keep living as a society. How's the black hole health? I don't remember. It's been a few months since I've watched Well, I'm not ripping. I want to see the movie. I'm just... <laughs> most people try to avoid those in those movies. I'm probably saying things that aren't accurate because it's been a few, well, few months no, since I've I mean, watched it. But... You did describe a room as a... Box. They are, but I can tell you they are trying to... Makes me to, think Christmas present. They are... Maybe they're not... I don't know. Maybe they're not trying to find a black... Maybe they find the black hole. I don't remember. But anyway, they're sent on a mission. Uh-huh. And these are all prisoners that have been sentenced to life. Okay. Uh, you know. Like Alien 3. Basically. So this is like Alien 3. With sure. sex rooms. Sex rooms and... Uh, Claire Denis is a crazy... Claire Denis, she's the director. What am I doing right now? I don't even have an alcohol in me. Juliette Binoche is a scientist on the ship, and she has her own reasons for, uh, what's happening. She is kind of the, uh... She's not a criminal. Well... She is. She's a criminal scientist. She's a criminal scientist. Does that make that her has, a supervillain. She's been put on there for a reason as well. Gotcha. And she has her own... She's... We'll put it this way. She is trying to create life on the ship. I'm hoping I'm not spoiling. You haven't seen this movie. I haven't. So I really want I don't to, want to spoil too much. But I'll just say she is trying to create life on the ship. Uh-huh. And 
anybody who kind of understands how things work, it would be very hard to create a child in space. Well, 2001 did it. Right. That's true. Star child. Star child. Um, but so she is trying to figure this is this is a side plot in the in the film. A um, big plot, has, if you will. That has a big and I, I mean it has a big part of the movie. But anyway, she is um there's a lot going on with her character. But anyway, this movie's great. If you've never seen a Claire Denis film before, it's um it's a bit jarring because she makes her films and it's very fragmented. So it's something that is not just linear and, and, and not always easy to follow, but I think um, the way she puts it together, it it all works the way she uh, puts her films so, together. So. I don't think I've seen any of her films. Here's the thing. What sold me on this movie that made me want to watch it, it's a sci-fi art house flick starring Robert Pattinson. Yep. And he's so, and, and I saw that, and I know you have good things to say about it, so like I want to see it. Yeah, it's great, and and, of course, Juliette Binoche is in it as well. The deciding factor for me really was Under the Silver Lake was free on Prime. It was free on Prime. And yeah. High Life is $5 to rent on Prime. Yeah. I'll, I'll get it on Blu-ray sometime. I'll let you But I really it. want to see it. Yeah. Well, I, want you, I hope you watch it sometime. But it seems like I made the wrong decision. Well, win some, you lose some. Seems like I lost this one. I'm sorry. Quick aside, is that a spider or a knot in the wood? I don't have my glasses on, so I can't tell you. So you don't know. No. Interesting. I hope it's a knot in the wood. Well, I mean, it's not going to get you. It's been here. That the spider's whole time. coming for us. I mean, if we die from spiders, the one spider, it's going to bite us both and kill us. Yep. <laughs> We're too weak. Uh, Tarantula by Jack Arnold. That's a spider that can you really kill. just messed up my watch my movie. whole vibe going, man. How? You just calling my my one film a commercial. And just ripping my sex boxes. and <laughs> I wasn't ripping on that. I want to see that movie. I'm trying to understand it. I can't help anyone. Wasn't... Okay, I was ripping on the one. Mm -hmm. You did pick two movies for one. I it... did it and I can. You take one and you divide it by two. What do you get? A lesser one. Two equals. Equals. Film of the year. Number one for me. Avengers Endgame by the Russo Brothers. I can say... This is the one Hollywood film I was not disappointed in when watching. I actually was surprised. I enjoyed Infinity War. I thought it was a fun movie, but it didn't do a great job of, like, telling a story. It was more of just, like, an event film, right? Like, that last battle was kind of all over the place. It didn't do a good job of establishing, you know, like, these secondary bad guys and stuff. It had moments that were good, and I really liked the film. But this film, man, whew. Who knew that they had this in them? I think this movie's just about as good as the original Avengers. I like this movie. I thought it was very good. Um, it surprised me. One thing about this film, like, it uh, doesn't have that much action in it. It's more of a thoughtful right. piece of work. And I think it's a very satisfying ending for this uh, 11 years of movies that we've had. Uh, now, I know that they're making more Marvel movies, and we've talked about this movie at length on mm -hmm. one of our podcasts, sure. so I don't need to talk about it a ton here, and we'll probably talk about it later in the year, because I'm a fanboy, but this movie's excellent. If you're one of the few people that haven't seen it, it's got a lot to offer, more so than like 
your typical comic book movie, and there are plenty of surprises to be had. Um, I think they do some brave, bold things with their storytelling, and uh, I thought the movie was a lot of fun and very satisfying. I um, I think it deserves all the accolades that it's getting. Yeah, I, I, this movie surprised me. So as we've already, yeah, go back and listen to our discussion on Marvel if you want to know our more in-detailed thoughts on this film, but yeah, I I like this movie as well. It was a good movie. You're not going to take a shit on it? No. No. You already know I liked it. I know you did. So how can I how can I do that now? It's a good movie. With you already knowing how I feel about it. I know, I know. I'm just worried about that spider in the corner now. Oh, I am too. And disturbed by like, there was no movies in the theater this year that were good enough that you had to pick a commercial as your dual number one. I'm done talking with you. You don't mean that. We gotta finish the show. <laughs> breathe in, breathe out. Are you done? I'm done. Okay. Avengers Endgame. Oh. It's fantastic. It's coming out on video in two weeks. It's available right now on digital platforms. Enjoy. Hon- honorable mention time. Oh, okay. So I have a number of films that I enjoyed this year that didn't make the cut. Okay. I'm tell you what they are now. Yes. These would be Dragged Across Concrete, The Beach Bum, Us, Nonfiction, Shadow, Peterloo, Relaxer, Wild Rose, Rocket Man, The Dead Don't Die, Avengers Endgame, Booksmart, Horror Noir, The History of Black Horror, Missing Link, Sunset, John Wick Part 3, Under the Silver Lake, and Knife Plus Heart. So those are all films I enjoyed on some level or another. I guess, you know, if I were to have a list, a lot of those films that you said would be on there. You said Shadow. Um, Climax is one you didn't see. That That's very high for me. Um, that's a movie I probably need. I just watched it this morning. I probably need more time to reflect on it because maybe it'll go higher. Maybe it'll go lower. I don't know. Okay. Um, I was very impressed by the craft behind the film. Uh, Shazam. That is a film that came out of nowhere that, like, blew me away. If we're talking about, like, just in general... Um, I really enjoyed the Valentine's special of uh, uh, Big Mouth. That Very was nice. pretty good. Um, I thought that... Uh, what are some like good commercials we saw during the Super Bowl? Help me out. I'm not going to help you out. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't watch How long TV. is a commercial? Um, I mean, it depends. I mean, if it's trying to sell a thing... I mean, I don't care how long it is. I'm just saying this wasn't a commercial. It was 15 minutes long. You didn't even get a full song. At least Thriller, you get a full song. Hey, if if Thriller came out this year, that would probably be in my top five. I mean, Thriller is better than most things that came out this year. So, you know, I don't know what your point is No, that's fair. You make a point. I'm... Listen, you know I'm just ribbing. I don't care. We're just having fun. Hmm. Are you mad that I called it a commercial? I'm very steamed. I haven't seen it. I'm I don't know. so hard. You should watch it, though, because it's awesome. I probably will. I also want to... And it's go... on Netflix. So I, there's a lot of shorts excuse. I want to watch. Like, I, I, I want to watch... Uh, what's that Lonely Island thing with the, the athletics from the 80s? Mm-hmm. The Bang Brothers. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah, me too. That's a short. Yeah. Like, there's some other shorts on there that I want to see. Yeah, yeah, I like shorts. Yeah, shorts are awesome. I've been watching a lot of shorts on Mubi lately as well. But I noticed, can you not review them? Or does it, do you choose not to because you don't think to. they're films? Uh, I choose not to because 
I don't have a lot to say. I did write something on Anima. No, no, no. I meant like uh, the star thing, the scoring. Oh, yeah, that's that's my choice. I don't. I choose not to rate short films. That's just my personal opinion. Gotcha. Yeah. Because they don't count the same. They do count. But not the same. Yeah, I, I, I like. This is gonna be this. Uh, we probably don't need this conversation. I'm just trying to trap you into a conundrum. Yeah, I'm not gonna fight it. I'm not gonna pick your. Opinion. I'm just playing. Listen, I have trouble with rating things on Letterbox. I I see a thing and I'll just like change it all the time because my feelings about movies just change and I I feel it's arbitrary. But then I'll see a thing and I'll be like, well, I said this was a four star thing, but is this thing? I have uh, while we're I hate it. I hate ratings. Talking nonsense right now. This is a but I like it. Um, I have thought about on my Letterbox um doing array with the star ratings and just saying I watched it and then putting, like, a heart if I like something or just talking about something. But then, like, a part of me is like, do I want to do that? Because I do think the ratings are helpful it's somewhat for me, showing me how I felt about something for when I revisit something. See, so, for me, I try to be, like, objective about it. So, like, things that I really like, like, we are talking, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. That's a thing that, like, I like, but I would give it a lesser review because as a movie, I don't think it fully succeeds, and I think it's a bad sequel to the movie it's trying to be a sequel to, but I think there's, movie like, things in that movie that are interesting, so and, I don't know. I and don't I know. think it succeeds as a movie. I watched, rewatched it last night, but I didn't talk about that and what I've been watching. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll probably have a full episode dedicated to it at some point. Maybe. But, yeah, I, you know... Reviews are hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the way it goes. And then you got these stupid websites that put a thumbs up or thumbs down or a tomato on there or a number that's, like, just random. Ah. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Such is life. Such is life. Maybe we all just need YouTube videos. Speaking of, how about you hit that again? Yes. I'm not meaning that in, like, a snide way. I'm just saying... One more, yeah. We probably need shout out. Shout out, uh, yeah. Let's end this episode because we're off on a crazy tangent. We are. You did this awesome YouTube thing. What's the dude's channel again? Yeah. So again, you can uh, go to uh, Nathan Jones. You can find uh, his uh, YouTube under his name, his channel, and uh, his uh, latest series is called Criterion Closet Picks, where you can find myself and him doing a little uh, thirty-minute video on there. Awesome. And Nathan's a really cool guy. We hope to have him as a guest soon. Hopefully. Um, either next episode or sometime, hopefully here in August, uh, because before that, he's going to be leaving the country for a little bit. So uh, with that being said, I don't know exactly what we're going to be doing yet on our next episode. Yeah, we, we don't know. Um, Do know that Lawrence of Arabia, David Lean Epic, that's coming at you soon. We're getting to the dog days of summer. I want to talk about some hot, hot films. So we're going to cover that. That's one Nolan's never seen before. Yep. Um, that's going to be a different pace for you. It's uh, longer than a commercial. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm just having fun. I'm playing. I'm sorry. You've worn out your welcome. <laughs> As I tend to do. Also, shout outs to Melanie. Um, you can follow her at, was it Plastic Werewolf? On the Twitter. She... And she produces our podcast. 
Any other shout-outs that we need to get? Yeah, you can find us on iTunes at uh, Cinema Parlor. You can find us on SoundCloud. Uh, you can find me personally on Letterboxd at Chuck Madden Jr. Uh, Ask Glover 84 on the Letterbox with the ever-changing review scores. And that's how it goes. Uh, yeah, Letterbox is a good time. Well, with that being said, hope you all have enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I'm sorry that you were sober and had to hear me picking on you about commercials yeah, during your sobriety. You win some, you lose some. That's the way I say. It's all in good fun. I know. I, know. I don't mean it.